up guys welcome to Osupers TV today we've got on Vic Law um, very special guest obviously I'm excited as I was a, I am a Bullets fan and he played for us last year um, he played for the Orlando Magic played for the uh, LA Lakers in the Summer League um, played for the G League Magic uh, and just signed with Perth um, he's had a little bit of feud with the Bullets players so um, I'm keen to hear what he has to say and we'll dig into it and pick his brains a little bit um, what's up Vic how you doing I'm good just relaxing on this Thursday, almost Friday. So happy the week's almost over. For sure. Um, obviously, big news recently. You signed with Perth. Um, congratulations on the signing. Obviously, shook the league up a little bit. Um, when do you Appreciate head back? It. When do you head back? Uh, right now, you know, they're just finishing my visa. Um, and once that's all done, then, you know, you start working on uh, the plane tickets. You know, it's kind of hard right now with Sydney and Melbourne um, being under martial law or, you know, whatever hectic news is going on over there so we're trying to figure out flights in the Perth um what different options look like so I'm expecting mid to late September yeah um talk to us about sorry talk to us about the signing in Perth um the reasoning behind it uh connections with players was it coaches um was there another reason so talk to us about the decision to sign in Perth uh no well I think um you know for a while after Brisbane my focus was just getting back healthy, right? Like yeah. that was a pretty big injury and um, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I'm a knock on wood for a healthy season, but, you know, just kind of last year, my, my focus going into the offseason was just getting healthy. But I didn't have any plans going back to Australia, didn't have plans going to Europe, didn't have plans going to NBA. My focus was just getting healthy. And then once I kind of started doing the rehab process and really hitting it hard, um, Things started opening up. The doctor started saying, you know, I think you're getting to a level of strength where we think you can play a little early. Uh, not a little early. I guess I was super early in playing when I played in the summer league. But, you know, I, I went out there um, kind of the, the first day back. You know, I got cleared like seven days before summer league started. And the first practice with the Lakers was like a shock to me, right? Like I, I usually won't doubt myself in anything. But after that first kind of two-a-day, you know, I was kind of, you know, second-guessing was I ready um, physically for the load that was going to come with playing these games back to back and stuff like that. But, you know, as I did it, you know, I kept pushing, you know, talked to my inner circle and kept going and, and played well. Um, and so after summer league, I didn't really have any like direction that I was leaning towards, right? Like I, everyone wants to play the NBA. So I guess you could say I was um, hopeful for that, but I, I had no like eggs and no, like no eggs in any basket. So I told my agent, let's, let's do summer league. Let's kill it. And then in the summer league, let's put all the options on the table and see what we got. Um, we got some good feedback from the Lakers. They liked me. Obviously, the injury concerns were um, troubling for them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, they had their plans with, with their roster and wanting to kind of stay older and getting older veterans. Um, you know, that was, you know, that's their, you know, you know, whatever their idea is for their team. And so after looking at the rest of the stuff, um, kind of coming back to my main point of being helped, um, Perth was like just a very attractive option to me, right? Like Europe wanted me to go right after summer league, uh, and in my head, knowing that I needed a couple more weeks just to be a hundred percent, right? Like I could probably gut it out and play tonight, um, but I want to make sure I'm a hundred percent so that by next come next season or come this time next year, I'm in a better position than I was right now. Uh, so, you know, I kind of canceled Europe off my table. You know, there's some good good teams, good opportunities, but. You know, I was comfortable uh, going back to NBL and Perth with the new hire of Danny Mills and Scott Morrison. And yeah. just the culture that comes along with Perth, it uh, seemed like an attractive option for me. Sure. For sure. I'm going to just touch on touch on that NBL options for you. We uh, we noticed recently a little bit of back and forth on, on IG. Uh, looked like it was all bullets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the bullets. Yeah, we raced Hoopers page posted about it. I personally love it. I really like when athletes kind of transparent and like they just kind of talk a little bit of shit to each other and there's a bit of kind of just a bit of banter. Like I think it's good for the league yeah. and I think it's cool to see that. Talk a little bit about um about that situation. That's all just chill, right? Or is there kind of something yeah. behind it? No, 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 yeah, like I'm super transparent. Um yeah, I won't duck any smoke. I won't dodge an interview or, or miss a question. Um, you know, it was funny. Like, I, I love the, the, the bullets and, and the, my teammates that I had in Brisbane. I had a great time, and they really made me feel like a part of their family. Obviously, going to Perth, right, like, when I was in Brisbane, 
Um, there is this running joke around around the team and around the league that if I were to stay in the NBL, it's commonplace for teams like Melbourne, Perth, and Sydney to pluck uh, good players from teams and try to, you know, build their rosters. And uh, in my head, you know, I kind of just went over my head, right? Like, I'm not thinking while I'm in Brisbane, oh, yeah, next year I'm, I'm going to Perth, right? But it's just funny banter, like, right? Like, it's good media just having uh, them kind of comment and us going back and forth. Like, I'm on FaceTime with them as they're commenting um, the stuff. And we're going back and forth. And obviously, you saw the interaction between the NBL fans, like Perth fans, Brisbane fans. Kind of yeah. everyone kind of got in and, and, and gave their opinion, which is funny. Um, and what's, what's funny is the I posted a, a story, a Kevin Durant picture, and it wasn't even like the – there was no, like, connection between Kevin Durant leaving OKC and going to the Warriors. I just really like that um, meme as, like, an excited kind of face. Yeah. And uh, people just kind of ran with that. I got, like – hundreds of messages about that like oh my god you're such a snake can't believe you didn't come back to brisbane um all this different stuff and uh i mean it's funny just the nature of international basketball imports are kind of seen as commodity like i had not um given like a a four-year deal with brisbane it's kind of one-year thing and you know they made their offer and person made theirs and i you know i'm happy with the one i made but I have nothing like, you know, I've been interviewed countless times. I have nothing bad to say about Brisbane. You know, so, I love Brisbane. I love the Bullets. Every, everything that they got going there. And I'm happy that uh, Coach Duncan got the new coaching position. So I'm happy, I'm happy, you know, for the team. Uh, but if I'm, you know, being honest, I can't wait to play them and get back to Brisbane and see the guys get on the court with them. Can so, we expect a 50 pace? Huh? Can we expect a 50 pace? Is that what's, is that what's coming this season? Man, I don't I don't give any guarantees like that. You'll just <laughs> see a lot of energy and enthusiasm from me back yeah. out there playing against those guys. I think everyone's got it. A lot of shit counters. talking. Yeah. A lot of shit talking. Probably um gonna go back and forth. You know, I just had Toby on my podcast talking about how that game will be and it's gonna be awesome, right? Like outside the game, you know, we'll go get steak and, and go have a drink or whatever. But you know, in the game, you know, I can't wait to I can't wait to play him. You know, I'm not going to say too much about so I, you know, it'll be exciting to play it and get back out there. For sure. I think everyone's got it marked on their calendars, that game, Perth versus Brisbane. Um, it'll be a good one. Um, we'll take it back to Perth. Um, obviously, I think Perth fans were a little bit confused before signing you. They hadn't made many moves. Obviously, they've got a new coach mm-hmm. in Scott Morrison who has to fill the shoes of uh, Trevor Gleeson. Uh, John Mooney departs. Um, second, la- second last year uh, with Cotton going down in the final. Um, what are your thoughts on the team and the chances this year? Um, well, I'll turn it to you guys. You know, you guys are the NBL experts. I'll let, I'll let you answer what uh, your thoughts are, were on the team, you know, before my signing and then, you know, after my signing. Now, I guess I'll kind of go off that. This is the first time the question's been flipped onto us, but yeah. What... I'm, happy to, I'm happy to take that. I'll tell you right now, we both had Perth. No, wait. I had Perth missing out um, before the signing. I had him out of the top four. I just wasn't sure that they would make the moves. I thought they would rebuild, trying to fill Gleason and all that stuff. And they lost a few guys to Tasmania and, and, and all that type of stuff. Um, and now since they've signed you and another coach, I've put you guys back in the running to make the four. Um, and I had Melbourne initially there and Melbourne kind of didn't make many moves either. So I kind of slid them out and put you guys back there. Reese had you guys there from the jump, right? Yeah, because purely because of the, the name, obviously Bryce Cotton's a top player. And signing you has just solidified it, I think. Um, obviously, I'm a Bullets fan. <laughs> so I watched my, all your games last season. I know what you can do. So signing you is a big piece. I feel like you and Cotton. Cotton always has that second man. He had, he had Nick Kay. Then he had John Mooney. And now he has you. Um, I feel like it's going to be pretty unstoppable. New coach. Everyone knows what Perth can do. Um, I think you guys have a really good shot. Yeah, I think I'm excited to see, you know, kind of um, – I guess I would equate it, right, like to being in America and being in the NBA. When you play the Lakers, it's kind of like, you know, you're playing the Lakers, right? And when I was in Brisbane, you know, I didn't really give a fuck. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're playing another team, you know, you're kind of playing them. But to everyone familiar with the NBA and kind of the league, you know, playing Perth means something, right? Like it's – you're playing like a winner, a consummate team, right? You're playing like the gold standard in the NBA. And um, to kind of be a part of that culture, it's, it's something special, right? And I think regardless of the coach and 
and wherever the front office moves were, right? Like a, a player-led team is, is the best team. And I feel like Persia kind of brought back a lot of their leaders and a leadership group. I know they lost Steindl. Um, they lose anyone else. Or is it just Clint? Lost Mooney. Oh, yeah, Clint and Mooney. Yeah, and Magnet to Tasmania. Um, But I thought the core, like, you know, they got uh, Norton back, Kevin White, Bryce, Blanchfield, Wagstaff. You know, they got a lot of, like, their kind of, like, Perth, you know, culture and tradition still there, right? Like, you still have the the, the guys that that, uh, lead the team. And and I thought that that speaks for itself, right? Like, that you can't ever count that out, right? Like, to win, you have to know what it means to win and, and how to win. And I feel like they always, um, you know, they, they kind of, you know, figured it out, right? And I'm, yeah. I'm excited to get in that within that culture. Um, you know, I, I hadn't really looked at, like, it, to be honest with you, I hadn't looked at, like, NBL roster movements. I feel like the NBL has gotten a, a lot stronger, you know, throughout the board. Like, Adelaide has gotten better. Sydney's gotten better. Brisbane's gotten better. Like, a lot of teams have just added pieces, right? And I know with COVID still being a thing and, and European markets going down and who knows what's going to happen with China, I know a lot of players are looking at Australia, right? Like the Aussie hoops has gotten a lot better. I, I don't know what the NBL looked like about 10 years ago, but I do know within this last decade, the visibility of the league and talent pool within Australia has boomed, right? Like whatever, whatever it may be, you know, you've got Giddy, you've got uh, Daniels that's going to the Ignite team. Uh, Landell just signed a contract in with Spurs. Uh, Magna had the two-way with, with Pelicans. You got RJ Hampton, Lamelo that's coming through. You just have a lot of like uh, Tugs came here. You just have a lot of players that um, are now seeing the the value of the NBO, right? NBO, I think, always is world class in treatment of their players. Um, it's only a league that has a salary cap, which is interesting. And I think you know it, it does it does a lot of things the right way. And Australia, as a country, is a great country. I think a lot of people are starting to realize that, right? And especially with the Olympics and how well uh, the Boomers did uh, getting their first medal, you know, I just think they really put themselves on the map as a country that has good basketball and can, can compete, right? Like I know Australia has Aussie rules football and, and rugby, but, you know, I'm excited to see what basketball becomes, you know, in the, the country. So with the league kind of reloading and, and kind of getting uh, deeper, I'm excited to get there and play, right? Like I'm, my biggest goal, I feel like it's my competitive spirit, my fire, and I can't wait to get there and, and play against a better talent and, and just see how Perth uses me because, you know, now that I think that they've signed me and I think they've been pretty vocal about it, they can kind of move around with this third import spot, right? Like whether they want to play me as a four, as a three, either wing, you know, or even if they want to go really small and play me as a, a small ball five and just have me bring the ball. So uh, I think it just really adds a new dimension to stuff, right? And I think last year um, with Bryce and, and Mitch having to ring the ball up and stuff, I think me in whatever capacity they'll use me, as another playmaker will definitely be something different because I know a lot of guys at my size won't come up and pressure me. And that's not something I'm really worried about anyway. I wouldn't care if, um, you know, the best defender in the league was on me to bring the ball up. But I do know that, that, you know, the bigger fours or even bigger threes won't come all the way down the court and try to pressure 94 feet. So that's just another outlet that we have. So I'm excited to get down there. I think we are going to have a ton of pieces and it'll be exciting to see who this third import and what are the other Aussies they'll bring in. For sure. It's that third import. you got another import coming. That's a bit scary. Um, but yeah, it's dope to hear about um, you taking on and thinking about the Australian culture. And obviously you said Dyson's going to the league, Landau's Spurs. It's dope to hear that. Um, let's take it back in time. Obviously born in Chicago. Um, we spoke to Kiefer Sykes, the Southeast Melbourne mm-hmm. uh, import um, in a previous episode about him and how he was raised in Chicago. What was it like growing up in Chicago for you? I actually was born in Chicago, moved to Mississippi for until I was nine, and then moved back to the South Side. Um, so I got, you know, I kind of got the country feel, and I came back to the big city. Um, but just being on the South Side of Chicago, right, like toughness was was bred through and through. Um, my mom being from Mississippi, my dad being from Cabrini Green, you know, toughness kind of being bred through the the heart of our family and all my siblings, right? Like I I was big into football when I was younger. I was pretty good at it. Um, and it wasn't until, to be honest with you, my sister kind of kicked my ass and all my friends' ass at, in basketball on, just in the, on the pavement that I really started getting serious at it, right? Like, I can just remember spending countless days outside in rain, snow, 
you know, I know you guys don't know about that Chicago weather, but being out there in negative five degree weather, just shooting, praying on the day that I get to meet my sister, as funny as that sounds, it's kind of like the, the Reggie Miller, Cheryl Miller kind of thing. Yeah. Um, she would, I would have a good game and have like 20 and then, you know, my sister would come home and say she just had 45. And so it was always like kind of like a constant back and forth with that. But just being from like, the you know, like Chicago, right? It's something different about that. And I know I kind of felt it from people that were from Victoria or Melbourne when they talk, spoke about basketball. But, you know, I always thought Chicago was like the, you know, people say New York or North Carolina or California, but I always thought Chicago was like the best, especially when I was growing up with the best basketball around, right? Like everywhere you went, it was good. Somebody hooping, somebody good, somebody in the gym that was going to, that was better than you or thought they were better than you or coming at you. Right. Like, and I just remember being a kid and, and just being outside at the parks, being in a rec center until the lights came on, being out there all day, just playing, constantly playing. Right. And it wasn't even about getting better. It was just about being out there, just playing, just having fun. And I feel like growing up in the city, it just gives you a different kind of toughness and a different mindset about the grit and the grind that it takes to be a basketball player. Sure. Yeah, that, that kind of links into my next question I was going to ask. I spoke to, to Kiefer Sykes about this as well. Obviously, I think the culture in Australia is a little bit different to that of America. I think where you're from and, and the, exactly what city you're from has a, has a big part of your identity, I think, in America a lot more than it does here. Um, what do you think about the importance of, of the reputation it carries being from Chicago and how does that impact you on the basketball court? Yeah, I mean... You know, in my head, I'm not, I'm never like, you know, just saying, you know, I'm from Chicago, right? If that's not like what's something going through my head, you know, it's just kind of built and bred in me. Um, but I do know when people, you know, everyone wants, I do know everyone wants to be a tough guy nowadays, right? Like that's, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where that started. I don't know if Draymond Green like made that popular or whatever, but I know everyone wants to be a tough guy. Everyone wants to be that, like, you know, get in your face and do all that. And, I, you know, I love it. I love all of that. You know, I'm all about it. You know, just being from Chicago, right, like, I'll never have a guy come to me and, you know, try to bark in my face and that that be, like, what I back down to. Like, never, never have a guy come to me like, you know where I'm from. No, none of, none of that. Like, that doesn't even come close to flying with me. You know, I'm all about, all about pressure, all about the smoke, all about all of that. Like, I love competition, love getting better, love, like, the best players coming in the biggest moments, and that's, like, what I'm all about always, right? And I think that's, like, maybe that's a Chicago thing. But never are you going to have a person in Chicago say, you know, I'm from Chicago, right? Like, you got the west side, south side, and the north. But, you know, when you're from Chicago, you don't – what's what's already known don't need to be said, right? Like, you don't got to preach it and, and say it all out. But you know it's there. For sure. So. Um, how was your experience with um, being ranked? Obviously, in, a, in the U.S., there's a ranking system over here. There isn't. Um, I want to ask how your experience was. Um, were you underrated through high school, or did you have to try and make a name for yourself? How was it? No, no. I was um, – when I was young, my, my freshman, sophomore year – what is that? What is that for you guys? So, ninth to 10th grade, yep. um, I um, was top 25 in the country. Yeah. And I got invited to the USA team. And unfortunately, because of like previous football injuries, I had to get surgery and stuff. So coming back, I actually felt fall into the 60s. And I was a pretty high recruit. Like coming into high school, I, no rankings, no nothing. Kind of just a kid from a kid from the like south suburbs, south side. Kind of you know just playing, talented, but like didn't really think about like pros or nothing. Right? Like it's different now. Like everyone has social media. Everyone's you know, worried about all that. Like when I was, you know, when I was growing up, it was I was just playing, just playing, right? Like I played football, played basketball. And in my head, I was just trying to be the first, like a dual sport athlete in college. Like I wasn't thinking about, I'm really about to take basketball to, you know, the top. But once I got to high school, um, I played, went to San Rita High School, which is, you know, a huge sports school in Chicago. Um, and kind of just, you know, I don't want to say blew up, but, like, my coach kind of, like, nurtured me into to being better. Like, he opened my eyes that, you know, I could actually do it. So, from my freshman and sophomore year, I went from not being ranked to getting in the top 25 and just getting a ton of, you know, college scholarships. And that's, like, my first moment in really realizing maybe I can do something with this basketball thing. Nice. And then you ended up going to Northwestern. 
How was that experience? It was good, man. Like, I love Northwestern as a school. I love my experience there. I made some lifelong friends, and obviously the education uh, speaks for itself. You know, I put myself in a position after basketball to to be happy and successful, right? Like, and that's one of the biggest things my mom and dad preached to me when I was making my decision. Um, but, you know, I, I you know, I, I loved my Northwestern experience, right? Like, we were the first team ever in the school's history to make the NCAA tournament. We competed with some of their best teams, and and just to see some of my teammates now still playing and still continuing their careers is awesome. So I love my experience in Northwestern. I think I learned a lot. Um, we'll get into your pro career. You signed your first pro contract uh, with the Orlando Magic. I think it was a two-way contract, had you bouncing in and out the NBA and the G League. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the G League, you made the all G League third team. You averaged mm-hmm. 20 points, uh, eight rebounds, three assists. Um, you also played eight NBA regular season games and one playoff game in the NBA bubble, which is what I want to get into. How was the NBA bubble experience? Um, a lot of people have different mindsets on it. A lot of people have different. Oh, it was hates. cool. Okay. It was cool, like right, like the first. Um, I mean, it was it was a, a great to be a part of it. Um, like it's something I always remember, right? Like, you know, it's always something some people want to know is how the how was the bubble. Yeah. Um, it was cool, right? Like the first two weeks when we got there. Let me backtrack. So before the bubble even started, we had like a like a month and a half yeah. training camp, right? Like we were just in your respective cities training, like getting ready for it because no one knew when it was going to start. It could have been tomorrow. It could be in three weeks. Like no one knew. So, you know, we were all just like just preparing. Like it could be any day. And we finally got the news uh, just building up to it. And then for us, you know, being in Orlando already, it was just a 30-minute drive to get down there. So for us, it, it like it was kind of different because I know from our veterans, especially ones of families, it was hard being in a place where like, you know, you know exactly where you are, right? Like you're only a seven minute drive from your house. Um, and them saying like, you couldn't see your family and stuff. Like I, I can only imagine like what that felt like. But for me, um, being in there for the first, you know, the first two weeks, like was something like special, right? Like it's like almost like being at the, on the first day of school, right? Like you know, there's your teammates, like you're seeing everything. Like when we walked in the hotel, you know, we're getting our keys and I'm seeing like Joe on the beach just walking by, I'm watching Luka Doncic. And Boban just played bags out in the front. It just feels like like we're just like at camp, right? Like, and all the, the tour stuff is just kind of funny. Just feels like you're at a summer camp with a ton of like guys that you see on TV. And now it's just normal life. You're just all here together, kind of trying to figure it out. And similar to the Melbourne hub that the NBO had, like it was whoever team could adjust the best, right? Like, or whatever team could adapt the best to being in that environment going to those practices, having all those meetings was going to put themselves in the best position to win. And I thought a team that really did like embrace that was Miami Heat, right? Like they got to the finals. They played really well in that bubble. Um, and it was just something like, you know, we we're there for about two months. So the longer you're there, the longer you realize like you're going to practice meetings right back to your room, right? Like you could break up the day with golf or something. But I tell you what, you can only golf so much during the week, man. Like, I, I feel like after a while, I just was playing 2K and just going to practice day in, day out. It just seemed like it was always Tuesday, right? Like, I, I don't know why, but that became a joke. Like, ah, it's just Tuesday again, right? Like, with the days just kind of ran together. And then when the playoffs started, like, that was something different. Like, we got to experience what playoff scouting was like and what real playoff basketball was like. Obviously, we didn't get the fans, right? Like, I think that's a huge piece traveling and having home court advantage and stuff. But you know, just kind of seeing, like, getting a taste of, a taste of playoff basketball is something that was cool. Yeah, that's dope. I think it's really rare for, for Australians to have guys come into our league with, with pre-existing NBA experience. You already mentioned that this is a hub and people bounce the other way. And I love hearing stories about the NBA from players' standpoint and, and their experiences there. Is there one story, I don't know, like an exchange with a player or some sort of moment that you had that, that was like your wow moment that you were like, oh, shit, I'm actually here yeah. in the league? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, so I went to training camp with the Magic, right? And that was like its own experience, right? Like, I don't think I was – like, I think I was ready out of college, but I don't think, like, I knew what was coming, right? Like, you – I feel like it's always easier for people when they're comfortable to get kind of their feet wet. But, like, you know, like you say, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And training camp was definitely my wake up and then like getting into the league, the speed of it, like having an old school coach, just like, I don't have time for rookies. Like you make a mistake, get the hell off the court. You know, so I definitely learned how to be a pro with the magic and like mentally, like got a ton stronger. Like, you know, my mental strength and mental fortitude and patience for stuff just got a lot better. 
Um, but my, my like welcome to the league moment was so we're we're in Orlando and this is so after uh, January I had just permanently been moved up to the Magic. Um, they just kind of wanted me on the team and wanted me around the team because of my play in the G League. Um, and they just saw, you know, I guess they saw something in me. Um, so I didn't get to go back down to the G League until I asked them if I could, because I was on a two way. So I would get like spot minutes here and there. But, you know, like sitting, you know, I'm a competitor, so I wanted to play. So I was like, if, you know, if you guys want me up, that's cool. But like send me back down for a game, then, you know, bring me back. Like let me play a game. And then bring it back up. So I only got to play against Maine. But uh, coming back, I remember coming back from Maine, um, kind of like the big wings of three fours, right? Like me, John Isaac, AG, um, Gary Clark kind of like played, you know, these ones, right? And, and I'm doing good. And uh, I guess you could say Chicago and me coming out. Like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm feeling it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like getting into my bag a little bit. And uh, I think I missed a shot for game. Aaron Gordon gets it. And it goes around, and I'm on defense. I, I swear, like, we're on the, the left wing. He goes middle. I cut him off. And he shoots like a – like a I don't even know, like a half floater, half hook. And he shoots it. And I, he's at, like, two steps within the free throw line. So, he's on like, a long, like, hook. I'm like, oh, great. Like, I got it. Like, that's mine. That's a bad shot. I don't box him out. I just contest it and turn around. And I swear to God, AG must have shot it. His tiptoes was just touched the ground, and he tip dunked it so hard on me. And I was like, ah, man, like this is, you know, like this is NBA, like, you know, this is NBA talent, right? Like, I don't know, like Australia got some good players, but I don't know how many people are shooting the hook from outside the lane and before the other person even jumped their back off the ground and dunked it. And so yeah. that was something I had never even, like, I had never, like, seen someone do before, especially on me. And so it was just funny, right, like, I think he tried to dunk it too hard and he missed it, but just him helping me up and being like, being like, watch yourself now. It's just funny to me, just kind of going back in the line as like a rookie that's like, yeah, you better, you better box out if he's anywhere like near the, you know, that low area. Cause I've never been dunked on like that, but boy, with that, I'm happy that that wasn't on film because boy, would have been nasty. Crazy. That's what I done. Yeah, we have to for sure. Um, <laughs> So you end up coming to Brisbane after that, uh, like sure. we mentioned. How was that? You already spoken about the organization in the city and they embraced mm -hmm. you and all that. But from another standpoint, just just to, how did it feel being in a, I mean, I don't want to say it like this, but kind of like playing down. Like, you know, you're coming in with NBA experience. You're coming in sure. from a situation where you've, you've been at the pinnacle and then you're almost like coming to a situation that's beneath that as a league. How was that mental adjustment for you? Yeah, I um I wouldn't say it was coming down. It was just it was just a different experience, right? Like everyone's path is different, and your journey never stops until you say so. And so I just thought saw it as like another opportunity, right? Like the Magic wanted to bring me back and wanted me to do the G League again. I didn't want to do that again. Well, at that time I was like, nah, like no, I'm good. And so the I didn't even hear that many like options. Like the first thing my agent said was, "Would you want to go to Brisbane?" I met Dre, I met Sammy and CJ, and you know, I instantly, like, you know, kind of, you know, connected with them. And so I was happy for the opportunity. I had heard the NBA was, was up and coming. And a big challenge to me was they said Brisbane's, you know, not a newer team, but we just, they kind of just got back in the league. They're not expected to do that much, but they got talent. And we think with you, like, we can actually make some happen. And I definitely think while I was playing, while I was healthy, we had a, a real chance to be in that four and compete for a grand final, right? Like, I thought barring, you know, a bad game from us against New Zealand and uh, who else did we lose to? I forget who else we lost to in the hub, but, like, we could have been competing for the championship of the hub. We came in third, and, like, that should have been – I feel like that should have been ours, too. And I think a lot of our guys did, right? Like, we had Toby come on and play real well. Uh, Tyrell Harrison came into his own. We just had a lot of guys, like, play well. And I felt uh, the way I was playing, like, we were really starting to click and bond, right? Like, I hope – I could have wished we could have played just a little more defense. Yeah. But the way our offense was rolling, like, I don't think anyone was scoring with us, right? Like, we – oh, we lost to Sydney, right? And, and that game was 109-116. Like, that wasn't like a – you know, NBL games are like 80 to – especially yeah. Perth games are like 80 to 75, like 70 to 60. And we had just had a game at halftime. It was 78 to 74, right? Like, we were clearly on pace for 140. You know, we go in the locker room and get berated, but like 
coming out of the locker room, we're all like, all right, but we're, you know, we may not guard right now, but we're pretty damn good on offense though. Yeah. And um, I think we all had confidence like in ourselves that like, with the way we were clicking the team we had, you know, on any given night, like we could beat a team, right? And, and obviously on any given night we could lose, but I just thought we were like, had enough confidence and chemistry that like we were definitely rolling. For sure. Um, I just want to touch on Coach Lamanis. You, you mentioned before that uh, you met him before signing with Brisbane. You had a little bit of a connection. Um, I've heard mixed things, um, obviously, with anyone. You get mixed um, emotions about sure. uh, mostly good. Um, how was how was he, and how did you find playing under him? I um, no, I, I like I like Dre. I thought uh, he was definitely different. Um, he was the most laid back coach I've ever played for. Like I played for some some kickers and screamers, like some real spit in your face type of coaches. You know, waste time out, just hurt somebody out type of uh, type of guys. And, and and Dre was just real, you know, laid back. Like he liked to surf. Like it was funny because like when I came in. Seeing Dre, I was like, wow, you're like a stereo, like, are you like a stereotypical Aussie? Like, are you like the, you're like what Americans think Australians are. You come in and you're just like, ah, man, how you doing? I'm just coming back from a surf. You know, just kind of like real laid back, right? Like not mad about nothing. Just going with the flow with everything. Um, but it was cool. Like, I thought he had a ton of knowledge about the game. And that's what I really liked. I thought he taught me a lot. I thought, you know, he helped both me and Sobe, um get better. Obviously, you know, he used us a lot, but um, yeah, no, I like Dre. I thought he was, he was really cool. Like, and that, he definitely had the, the pedigree and the experience uh, behind him to, you know, to command that respect, uh, even without, you know, yelling and screaming. Um, I wanted to touch on, uh, I want to take you back into one specific time in the bullet season. Um, the Cairns game, obviously, you got the isolation on Noy. Um, and you got the bucket for the win. Can you take us through that play? And was that the best memory as a bullet? Um, yeah, so that was a play we had worked on. Obviously, the first option was uh, me to to score, and the second option was to get back to Sobe. Yeah. Um, I just was just that game. You know, we had the, the scuffle that game. Um, there's a lot of back and forth, and. And I just kind of took upon myself. We're winning, or losing this game. I'm, I'll be the one that's gonna win or lose it. And uh, you know, I was happy. I, you know, I got the move off right. Like, you know, it was. I cut it pretty close, but I'm happy I got it off. And um, I, I don't think that was my my favorite bullets moment. I think my favorite bullets moment was um, uh, when we beat Melbourne in the hub. You know, just having all their fans and I feel like they had like a cockiness to them, you know, that they wouldn't lose. You know, they kind of said they might go undefeated that season. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I was, uh, that, that game was super fun. Like, you know, it was just a really contested game. I, I thought that was fun and playing them and beating them was cool. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought the NBL season was good. Like, I, I personally myself don't think I played that well. I thought, you know, I couldn't make a three to save my life. Like, I shot like 29%. And people were playing me as like a like a post up driver, and you know even though they were doubling me and stuff like that, I was just like wow this is this is different. Like I had I just felt like I had to adapt my game to to playing because I wasn't making enough shots. I, I mean I don't think I really took a lot from three, but I was you know I just thought the first year with the Bullets like I played okay, like I thought I just was all right. Um, and I'm excited to come back with Perth and and really light it up. Yeah, for sure. So then you you midway through that season, you've touched on it already, but um, you hurt yourself obviously with that injury, unexpected, unpredictable. weren't prepared for that. How mentally draining was and is the recovery? Seems like you're still kind of dealing with it. And how frustrating is it to know that that's probably kind of the, the roadblock now from getting a long term deal in the league? Oh man, like I've already I've already had my you know my. Uh you know, screaming the pillow moment, right? Like I've already had the, the stressors and the disappointment. Um, but it's a part of life, right? Like like I said earlier, like everyone's journey is different. Everyone has their own path. And I think you never know, this could be a blessing in disguise, right? Like what if I go to Perth and just absolutely love it or, you know what, you know, we never know what's going to come from this, right? Like I didn't think I was going to get ankle hurt. This is, I've never had ankle problems. So I didn't know that was going to happen. 
Um, so I'm not one to, to look at his glass, you know, half empty. I'm really a glass half full guy. And, you know, I'm still only like four and a half months out um, at the 30 mid-April. So once I, you know, by November, now I'll be about six, seven months. So I'm sure, you know, by that point, I'll be, I'll be ready, right? And obviously it's frustrating, like on my day-to-day, like even today I played ones um, and didn't move like, like, like great, right? Like I went down, I'm going to try to dunk and had to lay it up. Like it's still, still lingering, right? Like still there. Like I still have to strengthen it and still get back. But the good thing is I have the time to do that, right? Like I think um, by November, I'll be ready. Even by October 1st, like when we start doing stuff, I'll be much more further along. And and saying this isn't, isn't to say like, I'm like not confident in my ankle, right? Like I went to summer league and was one of the leading scorers on our team. You know, I hope there's one a ton of games, but I think I just want to make sure I'm fully 100%. So, like I said, like when I come back to the NBL and come back to Perth, I don't think I'm leaving anything on the table, right? Like I'm doing everything I can to play as well as I can. Sure. Um, obviously, you just touched on the Summer League. Um, you got the call up from the LA Lakers, probably the biggest franchise in basketball in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw LeBron and Westbrook come down to a game. Um, did the yep. pressure ever sink in that? Um, you're playing for the LA Lakers or wasn't that really a thing? Did you do not get phased by it? No, nah, no, nah, I thought it was just cool being, you know, maybe uh, like the first day we were in the gym in LA, you know, practicing and Kurt Rambis talked to us about the LA culture and, you know, we're seeing all the guys and, and they're warming up and stuff. But now, nah, like, you know, the Lakers are one of the teams that said, you know, even if Vic's injured, like we want, we want him, you know, we want to get him out and we want to get a look at him. So, that alone should give you confidence, right? Like yeah. when I started summer league, I was still only three, three and a half months out. And I got cleared six days before. I didn't even think I was going to do summer league. My agent was just like, you know, we got a, a handful of teams that want you. You know, they know you just had a surgery, but you know, the Lakers had open roster spots. So, you know, what the hell? Like, you know, just go out there, um, believe in yourself and see what happens. And, you know, you know, good things happen. I played well and, uh, you know, this is the, the the path that I'm on. Like I'm about to be a first wildcat, and you know I'm a type of person that no matter what decisions you make, you you know you shouldn't look back. You just kind of attack it 100 miles an hour and just go full you know full steam ahead. Because if you go into anything with regrets, you're never gonna get a full whatever you know full out of it. So I'm excited about this, and, and I'm really happy that to be going to Perth. Sure. For sure. I just want to ask you something as well, a little bit, a little bit kind of related to basketball, but more so about the the America-Australia comparison. Obviously, you bounced around a couple of times. You've been there and back and there and back, and now you're back for Perth as well. Specifically, have you noticed any major cultural differences on the court? I'm talking like trash talk and like individual one-on-one based battles type of stuff in terms of- I thought of you were going to talk about, I thought you were going to say the country. I was going to say, well, the first, first thing is, is the fact that your KFC doesn't have biscuits. <laughs> and I'm not talking about like scones or cookies. I mean like bread rolls yeah. with the Zinger box is unbelievable. And you yeah. guys like KFC in Australia, which is weird. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big I'm a big Popeyes guy. Well, I yeah. used to be. I, I gave up fast food, but when I came to Australia, everyone was like, you know, you got to get KFC, you got to get the Zinger box. You know, as an American, I was like, ah, nah. you know, it's not it's not two a.m. on a Friday. I don't need KFC. <laughs> but um, uh. As culturally, like basketball-wise, um, nah, I think you know uh, everyone, you know, kind of talks shit. Everyone has what, what you know what gets them going. I think you know the biggest differences, obviously, are like the rules, you know, like the FIBA rules in yep. Australia. But I would say, like, like on a personal level, I think competition in America is just is just more right. Like, I, I don't know if it has to do with like our like lifestyle or society, but it, it definitely seeps into sports, right? Like everything is so competitive. Like everyone wants everything all the time. Like it's not just okay to have 10 points and win, right? Like everyone wants to be the guy. Everyone wants to win MVP, you know, like everyone just wants more all the time. And that's definitely in sports too. Like everyone's super competitive. And I feel like in Australia, right? Like, especially like even looking at your grassroots coming up, like you guys have talent and definitely talent that's getting better and like coming up, but like just like the competitive fire that's within everyone is just different, right? Like in America, it's different. And that's maybe why like we have like, you know, better basketball to a sense, right? And it, and it, it might, I'm not saying like Australian basketball is bad, but I do know like the the resources and like the, the amount of like hunger guys have 
coming out to play is different, right? Like we have guys, especially that I know, that like you play basketball and you either make it or like you don't eat that night, right? Like you play good or like that's the end of the world. And I definitely got it, like a feel for that in Australia. Like sometimes when we lost and I would like be on the, the brink of like wanting to break a chair, and I was like, ah, it's all right. You know, we're going to lose some games. You know, like like the saying with the bullets was, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but like being a couple games above 500 sometimes gets you in the playoffs, right? And like in America, you don't even want to be close to 500. Like that's not even like if you're 500 and even close to it, you're bad. So yeah. I was like, I don't want to lose any game. Like if we lose like four games, all right, you know, you're going to lose something. Like you're not going to be perfect. But, you know, I, like my mindset was just like, I don't want to lose nothing. Like I don't. I don't want a moral victory. I don't want to, you know, oh, we played good tonight kind of thing. Like, I, I didn't like that. And I thought, you know, like, I love Brisbane. Like, like I already saw our chemistry was great. But if I had to, like, nitpick a difference, it would just be, like, the the calmness and, like, laid back kind of nature of uh, some of the games and, like, some of the wins and losses. For sure. Yeah. But what about play style? Real quick, I just want to ask about that. Do you find that it's more – Isolation based, more skill set based in America. No, oh no, it is definitely like, like team. Yeah. You know, like like move it, cut. Like everyone, you know, like if you watch NBA games, the the play literally is like run a guy off the screen and then get the hell out the way. Like get get him open where he wants it, and then move. Like you know, you saw them play on basketball when it was the Nets when they got hurt. All they did was run Kevin Durant down the court to the high ball screen and just space it out put shooters around them who don't like move and just let him, you know, let him be him. Right. You even saw with America, like when we played international, we struggled at first because a lot of times, like if the game got ugly, we would just give it to Durant and just be like, all right, save us. Like just yeah. ISO against a loaded defense, which is hard. You know, like, you know, I got to teach that being in Australia, having, you know, expect like the first time, the second time we played Adelaide, they doubled every time I touched it, no matter where I was. And, you know, that's, like, different like, because they're not doing that in the NBA. Like, the floor is so spaced. There's a defense of three seconds, right? Like, and it's just, like, you can kind of play and play free in Australia, right? Like, especially with a lot of teams having traditional fives who don't shoot. There's always a, a seven-footer or a big down there. And then the guards are digging in or doubling, and then you have a five rotating over. So you have to learn, like, how to, how to cut, how to get in your spot, how to create space. And – I'll say the difference between the NBA and the NBL are like the NBA has five guys that are like bigger positionally and more athletic. So they can cover more space. So you can have like a Jared Allen or, uh, you know, you saw him serving like a Jericho Sims sit on the opposite side of the, the block and still be able to come over and recover. In Australia, as opposed to that, you have coaches scheming and game planning around guys' strengths, which they also do in the NBA. But you sit in gaps, you plug, the courts, the line's a little smaller, so you have guys that are closer to the line, and you plug. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you can get back out, you can close, you can you can stunt off the plugs. You can have you have the big guy who's most times the five in the NBO, unless you're playing like Daniel Johnson, Jarrell Martin goes to the five, uh, Jock was shooting threes. Um, other than that, you know, I, I can't really think of like, I, I know I'm probably missing somebody, but you know what I'm saying? Like there are a lot of fives in the NBO that like sit in the paint that are good around the rim. So they're around the rim. And so that means the defender is always around the rim. And so, you know what I'm saying? Like, especially on ball screen, like naked ball screens, you can tag all the way over. Like you don't have to worry about the paint thing. So I feel like just the the way, like at the eliteness of coaching in NBL has to be like better just because you don't have like a Giannis that you can just say, and I'm not saying, you know, NBA coaches are bad, but you don't have like a Giannis. You can say, all right, go dunk it. Just go and score, right? Like, just go score every time. Right? Like, like, the closest thing, you have, like, really good players, and the, the closest thing I can say is, like, Bryce, and even on Perth, like, you have to, like, they still work to get him open, right? They still run sets and run plays. They don't just give it to him and then all just flatten out, right? They may do that a little bit, but, like, you know, you still have to, to move and cut and get the defense to move so they're not just set the whole time. For sure. Um, we'll cut into our next segment. Uh, we it's called fan questions. We put these on our story mm -hmm. for our followers to ask you. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Ash. Yeah. First one's from from Seppi Zero on Instagram. What one skill helped you the most at the professional level? Mm. 
I would say my uh, versatility and uh, my IQ with the game. You know, obviously being able to, on my Lakeland team, I know that was my first professional experience, having four guys that average 20, you know, a lot of people be like, well, how, you know, how are you getting shots? How did you touch the ball, right? Like you have to, to really be able to like find out like your niche, right? Like where you can be effective. And that season, you know, I was just blessed to be super efficient, but, you know, I, I think my game is just very adaptable where I can kind of plug in and fit with different guys and, and play. And if you need me to be option one, I can do that. If you need me to kind of play off somebody, I can also do that. So I would just say my versatility and my IQ, just kind of knowing where the ball is going to go and, and being in the right spots. Um, this one is from Jesse Cher. Um, what's your career high? Uh, 58. Damn. A lot of points. This one's from Cohen Fiteni. Any tips for players trying to make a name for themselves? Yeah, I would say um, don't try to go, right, like I, I get a lot of this in, in America, right, with guys trying to go high division one, division two, division three. I would say go where you're wanted and where you can play and people will find you if you're doing what you're supposed to do, right? Like if you're down there killing, doing numbers, doing what you're supposed to winning, people will find you, like you'll move up. And you don't have to be like, I got it. I just have to play an NBL right now. Right, like NBL ain't calling, go where they're calling and play and, and kill and then get moved up. And slowly, you know, like the journey is going to work. Like what's for you will be there. That's big, big facts. Um, this next one is from a guy called Tamri Wigness. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, he said, uh, tell, tell him when he comes to Brisbane, he's going to, it's going to be like Chirac for him. <laughs> it's not really a question. <laughs> no, for sure. I've been talking to Tamri all week. I can't yeah. wait to get back and see him, and it'll be all jokes. For sure. From This next one's from Basketball Down Under. Uh, I think we've touched on this a little bit, but maybe just, just a brief answer to, to address mm -hmm. it. How's it feel leading multiple stats for Summer League and not getting a full NBA contract? You know, it's disappointing, right? Like, it, it was it's disheartening, especially uh, in my mind, you know, playing on one foot and just kind of trying to go out there. Like, some of the feedback I got was I wasn't athletic. And I was like, man, like that, that is ridiculous. Like if, if I get like at the athletic is like a big part of my game. If I can do what I'm doing without being athletic right now, you should be excited for, what, for what's next. But, you know, you know, it, it is what it is, right? Like I'm not, I'm not going to hang my hat on it. I'm not going to let uh, what someone else's narrative define me. So like I said, whatever, whatever I have in front of me is what I'm going to attack at hundred miles an hour. And if I can kill where I'm at, that's what I'm going to do. And like I said, with my last answer, you just go where you're wanted and you slowly grind it out and people will notice. Sure. It's a good mindset. Um, our last segment, 10 quick questions. These are rapid fire. You just answer these as Got short it. as possible. Yeah. Um, what is something you, you are appreciative of? Could be anything. Uh, my family and my inner circle. Favorite NBA player and why? Now or all time? All time. I guess all time. I really like Jordan and Dennis Rodman. Hmm. Yeah, Jordan Dijon. Okay, cool. Um, funniest Bullets teammate? Oof. I'll give that to uh, Tyrell Harrison. Ooh, nice. Seems quiet. <laughs> nah, he's cool. He's my roommate on the road, too. So I got a ton of time to stay with Tyrell. Nice. Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker? Ooh. I think both are good. I think. You can't go wrong with either. I think, you know, if you're trying to rank them, it would be like 1A, 1B. But I, you know, I, I guess I would more rock with Donovan Mitchell's game. Good answer. Um, dinner with five people, dead or alive? Barack Obama, Kanye. Malcolm X. Michael Jordan. And... Uh, hmm. Dead or alive. Okay. And uh, Eddie Murphy. Or no, Dave Chappelle. Sorry, Dave Chappelle. Five. Oh, yeah, Chappelle's the good. Uh, all right, who's the most underrated player you've come across at any point in time? Mm. I'll say, I'll speak in the NBO. I'll say Sam Frawling. Illawarra was super underrated. I thought what he did in his role, especially with them, was super, super impactful. Um, and I'll say, like, in the NBA, you know, I, I don't think he's underrated. Like, I think people value him for, you know, what he is. But 
I think PJ Tucker and like you know the what he brings to a team, him guys like him, guys like Jimmy Butler, who bring that fire and that intensity every night, and they you can clearly see they're giving you know everything they got every given night, right? Like they might uh, not have like the that killer crossover or whatever, like you know that fans like the oohs and ahs, but they get it done day in and day out. So I like those hard hat guys. Who's the who's the hardest player you've ever had to guard? Devin Booker, actually. Yeah. Guarded me YBO twice. Yeah. Nice. Who do you think go win in the NBA 2022 season? It'd be hard to bet against the Nets. Um, they just signed Paul Millsap too. I mean, those, I mean, them and the Lakers. I I I just guess every veteran is trying to get on both of those teams just so they can win. <laughs> But, uh, you know, you can't cut out the Bucks. I think the Nets, though. I think if the Nets stay healthy, which will be a, its own bet, um, will be scary in the playoffs. And I think the Lakers, if they can, if they can mesh well, it'll, it'll be a, a straight-line clash with them two teams. Um, who's your favorite coach of all time? My high school coach, Coach Gary DeCesar, still my mentor. For sure. All right. Is that is an interesting one. Do you Have you played the card game, you know? Of course. Okay. Can you place a draw two on a draw four? I, mean, uh, yeah. I made that. I made that. Uh, that big post. Everyone seemed to have an opinion about that. You can't do any of that. I can't place. You can't stack any card. I allow it with my guests, just so the game can go smoothly and everyone ain't got to stop yeah. the game. But if you have a draw four and you put it down, no one else can put a draw no. four or any other card on that. That's like that's that just you stop and draw four. Yeah. You really ain't supposed to stack draw twos, but, you know, I, I'll allow it. I, I was just about to say, do you stack draw twos? I think that's a layout. Uh, I, I, in my family house, no, we don't. But if, I got, if I'm in my own apartment and, like, we're just playing with friends yeah. and someone stacks it, I'm not going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But if I put a draw four down and the next guy has a draw four down, you got to get the hell out. <laughs> I, saw a, I saw a funny post actually it was a while ago it reminds me of that you know posted saying the same thing you're saying they're like you cannot stack cards on top of anything mm-hmm. and someone replied I saw a screenshot and they said you don't know how to play one they said thanks for the cards leave the rest to us <laughs> <laughs> someone someone quote tweeted that and said you don't know how to play the game yeah anyway we'll wrap it up there thanks so much for joining us we know it's time consuming but we're wishing you all the best in Perth um, and yeah, we appreciate it. Appreciate, appreciate you, boys. Catch you off. Thank Thanks, you. Dude. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, remember, whatever listening platform you guys are listening on, please make sure to follow, subscribe. Um, that's what keeps us going. Um, remember to keep dropping us questions and who, who you think we should have on next. Um, and yeah, we appreciate the continued support and we got, we'll catch you guys on the next episode.